The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian. And I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 176. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, a.k.a. Old Ben, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, where we are actually in the show right now, uh, including the deeper themes and meanings. So please be sure to share this podcast on Facebook or the X, formerly known as Twitter, and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review. By the way, uh, I'll ask you guys later, but uh, we can if we get some extra time, we can see if it might be good to, uh, you know, maybe have you know, Prince did that like different symbol he used for a while. That was just for himself. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> we can do something. But anyway, uh, I, the, but the I digress. Formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so on this episode of Secrets of Star Wars, we're here to unpack the season finale of Ahsoka season one uh, and to take a final look at um I don't know what, what I think really amounts to the first foray into live action rebels. Basically, it was my big takeaway and I loved it. So uh, joining me tonight is an all star panel comprised of Josh Beagley. How are you doing, Josh? Happy to be here. Happy to have you with us. And also with us, Robert King. How's it going? Going pretty well. Great. Glad to be and, talking about Star Wars. Oh, always. <laughs> <laughs> always. And last but not least, Catherine Laffrey. Catherine, how are you doing? Good. I'm excited. I don't know if all of you guys, I, I, I decided to celebrate. I, I have uh, my famous Octu coffee where I basically make an Irish <laughs> coffee and dye it green. Um, <laughs> you know, like if Luke was going to make some sort of alcoholic beverage on that island, I, I think it would look like that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, before we jump into Ahsoka and the, the synopsis here of this last episode, uh, I just want to ask you guys, I, I mentioned before we started recording, you know, this, of course, uh, leaves us in the, the doldrums here, as, as we've now gotten used to, of having uh, these periods of time where we don't have live action Star Wars, uh, which... I'm trying not to be spoiled because, right, I mean, most of our lives, that was like, you know, something we just dreamed of being a possibility. So uh, so we don't have to wait too long in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure. But uh, anything you guys are looking forward to? I think Skeleton Crew and Acolyte are supposed to be the next things up. What do you think? In theory, as as much as anything is the next thing up at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. No expectations for what's next. Just savoring what we just saw. Hey, mm-hmm. sounds good. That's you. Like you, you think so? Yeah, yeah. Are you? Are you, is there one, Josh? You're more interested in the, between the two of those? I mean, I I don't feel like we haven't really heard a whole lot about either one of them. No, I feel like Acolyte just sounds more interesting because it's again High Republic era, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So just getting away from all of that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it, I think it'll be interesting. I think they said, I don't know if they committed to this, but it sounded like, if I remember correctly, like 100 years or so before, 90 or 100 years before episode one. So 
So you had a some potential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe some Plagueis? I don't know. Well, we'll see. I feel like they have to do that eventually. Maybe not. Oh, that would be interesting. I mean, yeah. but it's it's not about you know, it's not about the rise of, of Palpatine. So right. that's how he returned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. Somehow Palpatine will rise <laughs> like okay <laughs> just like don't do that on the other side of it oh my goodness <laughs> well we'll just have to see because you know the, of course the the uh the strikes you know that that are i think wrapping up or kind of wrapping up or nearing the end but um you know we'll we'll see what they have i think skeleton crew I, was supposedly originally announced for a late 2023 release but now I, I haven't heard them officially push it back but We'll see. Goonies in space, they said. That'll be an interesting thing to see. So. But we are here, I mean, of course. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that's, I mean, Star Wars always seems to like bounce between, you know, something for kids and something for adults. Mm. And and Lucas always seemed to want to have it both ways. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since we've had something really for kids in right. the Star Wars universe. So... Hopefully Skeleton Crew can be that. Yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. I mean, I think um, there's definitely room for, for Jude Law in the, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. I think he'll, for some reason, I feel like he's, you know, he might fit in there nicely. So time will tell. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but we're, of course, here tonight to dig into this Ahsoka finale. And, and really, probably by extension, I, I would imagine the show as a whole Um I didn't look back at my notes here, but, um, you know, I think we've we've all been on a couple of these or at least one. I, I was on, I think, episode three uh, as a mm-hmm. as a uh, panelist. So um, th- th- this, I think, is a good opportunity to maybe kind of take a look at the whole show uh, as a whole and, you know, maybe speculate where it's moving forward. So uh, to start, though, I just want to give a synopsis for those who I don't really think these people exist but in case you haven't seen it spoiler alert and here it is um first of all the the title which i want to come back to later the jedi the witch and the warlord um which was a pretty awesome title aired on or on october rather october 3rd 2023 originally and thanks to wikipedia here's the great little synopsis to confront the jedi morgan elspeth is gifted mother talzin's sword by the great mothers while Bridger constructs a new lightsaber using spare parts from his late master, Kanan Jarrus. After their ship is damaged by a fighter attack, Ahsoka, Ren, and Bridger make... I don't know why they go with last names. <laughs> we know who they are, but for the... You know, so Sabine and Ezra. They make their way on foot to the Chimera, which has docked with the Eye of Scion. They are confronted by Elspeth and the Night Troopers, whom the Great Mothers keep resurrecting after they are killed. Ren uses the Force to help Bridger jump onto the Chimera, and then she stays behind to help Ahsoka, who kills Elspeth. The Eye of Scion jumps to hyperspace, leaving Ahsoka, Ren, and Hu Yang stranded on Peridia. As Thrawn and the Great Mothers arrive over Dathomir, Bridger escapes and reunites with Syndulla and Chopper. Ahsoka, Ren, and Hu Yang Join the, is it Noti or Nati? I didn't, I forget. I think it's Noti. The little shell dudes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They join them and make their new home on Peridia, watched over by Anakin's spirit. Shin Hati joins the bandits, while Balin Skull is guided to a mountain by a statue of the Mortis gods. Which I'm really excited. I, I have Mortis, Mortis, Mortis on my notes uh, near the end. So, <laughs> but I just thought I'd, I'd, we'll go around here. I'll go in alphabetical order just for the heck of it. So, Josh, starting with you, what, what was your overall kind of takeaway from, from this episode? Sort of like how you were saying Mortis, Mortis, Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it's really hard not to think of that just because of seeing that him like physically on their statues at the end it's it's pretty hard to miss it and be like it's interesting to see that they were i guess a part of this galaxy like this different galaxy and how it all ties together yeah and it's like i would love to then see like in a future season of like balin like looking at whatever he saw at the end but then it's just like that rest of soul he's passed so yeah makes it an interesting dilemma we could have a whole you know um tangent just on that of i mean i, I imagine they're gonna have to recast ray stevenson probably i don't know how you do that but i really hope not yeah i, I don't i mean unless <laughs> something happens someone speculated a couple people i heard speculating about like what if we meet back up with him and he's had some kind of transformation that requires a mask or, you know, I don't know. Um, we'll, My we'll husband see. said they're going to open the next season with uh, that arm breaking off and Balin falling to his death. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Uh, but don't think they can do that. would be Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Rob? What was your overall kind of takeaway from this? Um, I mean, I've, I've kind of had this sense from just the overall pacing of the season, but um, I'm really interested in where this story is going. And mm. I feel like all of season one, there's been a lot of cool stuff and I've enjoyed every episode of it, but it feels like it's all set up for the real story. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I want to know where it's going. I, th I think, yeah, that's what about you, Catherine? Is this the same boat or did you, <laughs> how, how oh, did you I'm feel? totally with Robert on this. Yeah. It felt like this is a build up to something more. So every episode I'm waiting for the something more, a little teaser of this, a little teaser of that. I mean, in this episode, they did tie in some things that were missing for me. Mm -hmm. Like how in the world did Ezra and Thrawn end up separating and where did the witches come from and all that stuff. So I was glad they brought in some of that, but I don't know. I'm always waiting for more. It's like, mm. oh, there's so much more to this story. We know there's so much more. <laughs> I thought, it, and I thought it was so cool um, to, to literally have, you know, Dave, who got to say a couple of years ago, and I'm sure you guys saw it, and probably most, if not all, of our listeners did as well. When uh, you know, Dave was pressed repeatedly, "Where's Ezra? Where's Ezra?" and he would just grin and say, "Far, far away." And it's like for him to be able to <laughs> to actually name that yes. episode that you know, and then bring it yeah full circle. I mean, this this has got to be a dream come true for him, right? To <laughs> to explore this. So, uh I did want to ask, I, I forgot before, I wanted to throw this out to you guys as well. Um, any thoughts on the music in particular? You know, because I, I, for what it's worth, I just thought the continuity of, of being able to have Kevin Kiner do this and kind of round out this and use some of these, you know, some same, the same themes, you know, from, um, from Rebels and, and, and the continuity with, with, you know, his work on, um, on Clone Wars as well. It just, I felt like anyone else in the driver's seat on that just would not have been right. Yeah, the music really drove the scenes in so much of this last episode. And you could pick up when there'd be like, oh, the Force music, when Sabine's pushing Ezra mm -hmm. and all different little things. Or when you see the tiny speck of um, Ahsoka going after Thrawn and there's that little music that goes along. I mean, everything just kind of made it familiar and new and exciting at the mm. same time. It was really good. 
Do you guys think he's a worthy successor to, uh, to John Williams? I don't know that Williams is in his own category, of course, but I don't know. You know, or how do you think this music is compared to other shows? Maybe I don't know if that's a fair comparison, even because they're I don't know they're different, but some of the music on some of them hasn't really wowed me or hasn't felt I don't know like it quite. But, but this one has. I thought this did. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I am not terribly sensitive to music. Like, okay. I don't notice it until it's pointed out to me. Okay. So I'm not really a good person to judge, but I I do feel like, um, like I think the music for most of the shows and, and films has been, I don't know, it's been pleasing to my ear. Mm-hmm. But as I say, my ear is not that sensitive. So <laughs> I recuse myself. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Is that okay. I know the music's there and you can hear it in the background, but it's just not in like the forefront of my mind when I'm watching. It's like I just get involved so much more in like the actual plot of the movie, which makes it a bit harder for me to be like, oh yeah, this music totally fits right now and makes so much sense. Like the only one I can think of really is like when Sabine was pushing Ezra, like Catherine said, it's oh, just yeah. like. It's such a recognizable sound, but then also they all have like their own slight twist on them from the originals, yeah. Which is just like doesn't sit quite right in my head, right. but it makes me focus on the music. Then I think one of the coolest things in in um, I think it was Mandalorian. Or no, it was Book of Boba Fett. That's always throws me off because the Mandalorian season two point five, whatever that whole thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was a little like um. A little theme, and I don't know if that was Ludwig Gordonson doing that or not. Uh, I have to look that up. But there's a little theme when when Luke is training Grogu, where there's like this very like adventurous kind of music. Um, and I swear it's modeled on purpose. I, I have to confirm this, so I, I haven't found anyone confirmed yet. It's like a major key, like upbeat version of Kylo Ren's theme. Oh, interesting. Which, which I swear, like, I, I have to source that, but it's, it's so similar that, like, my, my immediate thought was like, dude, that sounds like, I wonder, were they, were they trying, like, so my mind went nuts with it. So, like, I'm totally, like, I get, like, sidetracked on the music sometimes. It's like, is he, is he saying, like, oh, wow, this is, like, the glory days of Luke's training and it's going to go bad. And, you know, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, what, what I would hate to have happen is if, uh, you know, whoever composed that particular little thing didn't think of that. And then they just steal it from, from me and claim that was their idea. So no, <laughs> I have to say the opening music for every episode set the mood so perfectly. Yeah. Where you just yeah, felt like, true. Oh, something intense is going to happen or something good is going to happen. It just, it really got you into the mood of the yeah. episode. And then it just kind of played off from there. It was great. And then, Oh, the violins when we have zombie troopers rising from the dead. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try to adjust the release date a little bit to get that one a little closer to Halloween, but it was, <laughs> it was, yeah. it, it, uh, it prompted me to put up my little, I have little flags in the back here. The guys watching this can see I have my Halloween up, have a ghoulactic Halloween. So it's got these little, <laughs> these little stormtrooper ghosts floating around. That was my little, my little homage to the, to the zombie troopers we'll get there soon i'm I'm actually that's like two two bullets away but um i do i wanted to kind of turn the floor over here to uh i'm gonna put josh on the spot because he pointed out uh i put down morgan elspeth's transformation plus a new sword 
and the sacrificial mission. And Josh pointed out that it's not exactly a new sword. Um, so, uh, do you want to share a little bit on that, Josh? Where, where did this show up before again? Um, I don't know the, remember the exact season and episode, but it was in the Clone Wars whenever Jar Jar had his lover, the Queen. Um, <laughs> right. Season he had to six, rest. episode nine is the second one. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Catherine knows the episode. Um, hey, I was just watching it. <laughs> oh, that's fair. It's a good episode. Well, yes. that was the one with him and was that him and Mace? Yes, Jar oh, okay. and Mace Windu went to okay. go rescue the Queen of the Gungan Queen, and uh, um, not a Gungan. Or, but um, what was she? She looked kind of Gungan-like, but definitely a different species. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm close enough. <laughs> yeah, she's close, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. No. <laughs> But, no, let us sidetrack you some more. <laughs> so, um, she, the queen was kidnapped by Mother Talzin, and then as she's going through some sort of ritual to have her, not her soul, but some sort of spirit of her ripped out, hmm. um, Jar Jar rescues her, but then Mother Talzin fights with Mace Windu using that sword. Okay. Um, so she summons the exact sword, same sword, and fights him. They get blown up at the end. Yeah. I guess it just, did, did they establish, like, does the sword disappear? Or, do I, you know, I don't. It's a magic sword. Right, that's what, yeah. also, what, what am I doing? No, it's like, it I can don't be summoned. Did, <laughs> yeah, she did sort of summon it in the same way, this, yeah. this sort of pillar of green, that's so magical cool. light coalesced yeah. into the sword so yeah it's like dr strange <laughs> well and there's there's almost something like a it's like a um well it, it's it's a lot of good food for thought and i know we'll probably we'll probably talk about this later because i think we've got the road ahead for secrets of star wars you know this this really opens up some some great opportunities to in the interim here right you know dig into some of these things like the night sisters and some of this because i you know i think that's um you know some some Material that would really be good, I think, after this show to really go back and explore because I I didn't really see their role coming in this. I don't know about you guys, yeah. you know. Um, I for my money, they were one of the best carryovers, you know, from the the animated into live action. Totally creepy, and and very oh, yeah. well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Did you guys? I, I don't know if I was just not catching it at first but did you get it immediately like what thrawn was getting at when he told you know told morgan like we need more time like did you kind of it took me like a good 10 or 15 seconds for some reason to really let it sink and he was giving her this sacrificial mission like she's not going to come along kind of thing oh, uh, no, it was I... it was immediately clear to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah she was he had his his cool poker voice going and just yeah. was like yeah you're you're staying <laughs> You're doing this mission, and you could see it in her face right away. She just yeah. knew. I yeah. Mean, oh yeah. It was yeah. Well, he's. It's interesting to give um to give uh, Lars Mikkelsen this this role because you know we all know his voice you know from the show and and uh, I, I should give you I, I dedicate anything Thrawn related that I say in this episode to Father Andrew. So <laughs> Father Fed, he texted me right after. He's like, "You'll have to let me know your thoughts." I was like. I need to think about it a little bit first, you know, um, but but yeah, because we, you know, he's a big Thrawn fan and, and you know, having, um, um, uh, you know, the audiobooks too, which, you know, Mark Thompson's, you know, wonderful 
you know, kind of imp- impersonation of Lars Mikkelsen. Like the, the voice is so consistent for this character, but then to have like the facial expressions and I'm finding like, you can't really, I find myself limited on reading, you know, animated facial expressions, <laughs> you know, which can be very effective, but there's something different about a real human face. And I don't know. Um, I kept getting this vibe off Thrawn that there's a little bit of like, actually, I don't know if sorrow, that might be a strong word, but he didn't, he seemed like, to me at least, like he was not entirely happy or, or, or dispassionate to kind of have her have to stay behind. Did you guys catch that at all? Like he seemed like Thrawn sad. I don't know, like, still like like Catherine you're right oh, poker to face, leave but her behind it, it's I don't know there oh, seemed like yeah. a little bit of I don't know a little bit of like it's unfortunate or, or you know I don't know oh I, I don't I don't think they're buddies right I don't think it. okay it, it seemed <laughs> he, like he, he was very much in his quickly. plan oh okay very much in his plan oh yeah yeah it's just yeah he but he knows when he has a pawn to play yeah and he will play that pawn out till it satisfies. His needs, which he said later on. Unfortunate, yeah. but he, yeah, he, you know, seemed, he expected it. I definitely okay. don't think there was any real, like, he seemed pretty like, oh, you know, she did what was necessary. <laughs> Jump. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, <laughs> okay. he, he might have had a minor regret about having one fewer pawn on the ship with him going back. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think he absolutely regarded her as a pawn. Sure. And, and was 100% willing to, you know, acceptable losses mm-hmm. um got a lot of this yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like everybody's a pawn to him you know which is ironic because his name rhymes with pawn i just realized yeah. that he's that's the closest to pawn he's gonna get oh my gosh um i i think there was something else too i wanted to ask you guys about with the so when we get to then ezra you know and, and running around making a lightsaber, which I thought was funny because the last episode when he's like, oh, you keep it. The force is my ally. And I feel like one fight in, he's like, now, you know what? A lightsaber really turns out to be pretty useful after all. So like the first thing he does when he gets a chance is to make one. So, uh, um, what'd you guys think of that exchange between him and Hugh Yang? Why don't I both start with you again, Josh? I thought it was like, really wholesome and just like the cutest thing ever again to see <laughs> Yang just like using all of his arms everywhere to try and find something <laughs> and then even like the small interaction of them just talking about his master and be like oh yeah I remember him he was a cool dude basically he's like just in case you ever <laughs> forgot it that was that was probably the cutest part I think in my mind was like I kept it this extra one just in yeah. case if you ever needed a new lightsaber mm-hmm. and then it was just like you never did but now Ezra gets it, and it's just—it's—it's <laughs> it's a nice little homage to his master. Yeah. Did you guys get like I, I get Catholic vibes off it with like the I, all the time with things like uh, it's almost like a like a I don't know a chalice or a vestment or something that your mentor had like there's like I don't know there's like this this motif all the time in Star Wars of almost like this apostolic succession of either you know like authority <laughs> or like oh I you know like reading the Church Fathers you know like uh, Polycarp's you know, memories of, of, uh, of John and, and, and this kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know. I, I get, that's such an important part here. This, this succession. And that plays a big role in this episode too, with Ahsoka and Anakin or really through the whole show. Yeah. You know? it plays, the yeah. entire series is about legacy and, yes, that's and it. this, you know, this sense of, of what is passed on from master to apprentice. And, 
Um, and, and it is, it's put in very sort of sacramental terms of, of, you know, all that I am is in you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, and, um, you know, there's this mystical sense of passing on, not just knowledge in the sense of information, but a a wisdom, a a real spirit being passed on from master to apprentice, and um, and that's something I don't think we've really seen in Star Wars before. I mean, we've seen close master apprentice relationships, but this sense of the master apprentice relationship as being one of of transmitting a transmitting a legacy in the mm. terms of the show or or transmitting a character in a, in a more um catholic yeah. way of speaking of it yeah it was it was nice to see two collectors comparing how to organize your stuff i mean ezra had his little space full of all his junk he collected over the years and then now he's comparing his collection to hu yang who's had what two thousand years of collecting to do so it was just fun hearing them banter about how you collect your stuff and then it was great to see ezra tinkering again because he was always tinkering and Mm -hmm. making and doing fun little things like that so that was great but then also I love that the, distinction between uh, a system or uh, yeah, a method oh, and yeah. a system. It's like you have a method. It yeah. is nothing like a system. Yeah. <laughs> like, but another Catholic brilliant. thought to go back to the the uh, night mothers and the way that they laid hands on Morgan. Yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> in Clone Wars, when you have Ventress getting her dark baptism and the same mm-hmm. words are said over her by mother Talzin. And now you have Morgan getting her dark confirmation with the right. hands being laid on her and the passing on of this, you know, shadow. Totally. I thought that was mm-hmm. quite interesting, but it's like kind of creepy at the same time to think of this as like, you know, the dark version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I I was thinking just for a, a quick thought I wanted to mention about um something that came that I don't know I don't know if you guys saw this like with when it, when it comes to Ezra and uh, I I might butcher the name because he's he's I'm still getting used to him but is it uh, Iman Esfandi I think who who plays Ezra in the show mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right but uh, but Taylor Gray you know who did the voice of of Ezra on the animated series um I definitely think that Iman has the I just, I think he's got it down. Like I, he, I thought he was yes. convincing. There were a few moments, especially where he would say something or like a mannerism where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Ezra. Or when he says hi to Hera at the end or jumping ahead a little bit, but that was so like, I just, I felt like that just felt so real, you know? And you know what actually, what really got me when he runs out on the wing, it was, per, it was like such a rebels moment. Like you have this, this really beautiful, meaningful moment, you know, with, um, with Ahsoka and Sabine. And he runs out and he's <laughs> yes. like, hey guys. And he's like, hold his lightsaber. He's like, I just finished. You know, and it just felt like, and then he just stares. I just felt like that was absolutely like something that would happen in Rebels. <laughs> like you'd get those, those like comic moments right in the middle of that serious, you know, in, like right before an attack or something, you know, that was, yeah. it just felt right. His voice, you know? his voice tempo is almost exactly like yeah. um, the voice in Rebels. I mean, cause I watched an episode of Rebels and watched Ahsoka and I was like really, that's not the same guy. Just the yeah. voice, the tempo. It was like it just yeah. sounded like grown up Ezra. So 
right? Hats off. That was fabulous. <laughs> in, in a show that's full of great uh, adaptations uh, from the, the cartoon, the animation to live action. I mean, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead doing Hera is amazing. Yes. And um, Sabine is fantastic. And um, Rosario Dawson is different but still really embodies Ahsoka in, in a, in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. But of all of them, the one that evoked the animated character the most for me was, was Ezra. Yeah. yeah. And I find it ironic because yeah. he didn't end up in the show and I didn't really necessarily expect him to, but Zeb, who we've of course seen introduced and in, in briefly <laughs> in, in Mandalorian season three. And I thought it's, it's, it's ironic to me that Zeb and Chopper, like the two, least human characters to put on screen in live action are also the mm. two that get like their original voices <laughs> you know, like, it was just like just a nice little you know treat because hey why not you know it's not any different for them to play the role <laughs> to play the character you know if, if uh if they're up there but um but we did we you know we have this of course you know this this charging the um the fortress you know this uh it's it's so funny like how many how many f stories and legends and fairy tales and movies like I mean I never get sick of this you know call it a trope whatever you will but there's just something so like yes like I'm just, and I'm on the edge of my seat and there they are you know charging and you know Thrawn's like above them just like blow it all away you know just <laughs> like man like I you rain figure, hellfire upon them yeah and he said it so cool, and he's got this team of gunners who've had nothing better to do for the last ten or eleven years than to really get good at their target practice, and they still <laughs> and they still can't hit. You know, because like they're all half dead. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> which which brings up the next point quite nicely. Um, but oh my gosh, I, I I kind of two sides. This I want to ask you guys about the the cooler one, of course, the zombie stormtroopers. But maybe the lead into that. Um, there was a lot of talk I saw online a couple places, uh, and I kind of have gone back and forth on it. Um, How do you guys feel about the, the the lightsaber choreography in this this scene? Um, you know, did it seem to line up with what came earlier in the season? Did it you know seem inconsistent? I'm just I'm curious because I kind of had a thought on it. Again, I'm not really a lightsaber choreography snob so i i it's like <laughs> fair oh, enough that's cool lightsabers on screen <laughs> um so so i'm actually i think i'm more curious you know what have you been reading mm. online and what what thought do you have mike darn it i wasn't expecting that um <laughs> <laughs> just swallowing my octu uh, uh coffee right um, no well you know and i just i just rewatched it before this and so I, I think my mind has changed a little bit but there is a few I don't know. There was this, this big buildup to like, here's, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine and Ezra. And at least I, th I think at the beginning of the scene, there's a few like defensive posture type things where it, it looked a little clunky to me at first. Like my first thought was it looked a little unsophisticated or looked a little, you know, unchoreographed, a little mechanical, a little like, uh, like they weren't comfortable, especially Ezra. Now, as the scene goes on, though, there's some really cool things like it really kind of picks up and there's some pretty interesting, especially that last thing where like he pulls them and like she slices them. And there's that like that awesome shot like standing there because that was cool. Um, but then another thought occurred to me where it was like, you know, um, I wonder if I'm not saying you know, that, that I, I wish this show had been animated. I, I, I love it live action. But that actually got me wondering, uh, you know. 
what would this what like what would this season look like? You know, if it were had just been Rebels season six, we could do a whole mm. other episode just on that. It was just kind of a curious, like a, an artistic question, maybe. But um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of retract originally what I thought. But I, I did see some other people mentioning that online that were like, oh, what the choreography? They got me really kind of snarky with it. But uh, saying that like this wasn't nearly as good as, as her fight with Balin earlier or it looked phoned in. I, I didn't agree with that, but I just didn't know if you guys had felt like there was anything that noticeable about it. So the only thing that helped me through it was when watching it the second time, she said to draw them all out. And that's when I realized that they were, she was, she was literally hanging back to get all of them to come into the same room with them. So I was like, okay, I can accept her just deflecting mechanically waiting for all of them to come into the same room. In my mind, it's all of these characters, like how you were saying, were from an animated series. We're used to seeing them jump 20 feet in the air, do 30 <laughs> different flips. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> move at very insane speeds, and now we're seeing them as a, a human actor in there, right. representing the characters, which makes it a lot harder <laughs> to be able to do that. So, That's a good point. Even but just something even, like Ahsoka's run, you know, she would always do that. Like, she'd right. like, like fan out and just run like 40 miles an hour or something. <laughs> like, she, <it's laughs> like, but even then, I mean, some of the basic things in, for me seemed a little bit off. Like, whenever she was deflecting the bullets, it looked like Ahsoka was just standing there with her two lightsabers out. So like, doo, 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 doo. like, just moving <laughs> them up and down kind of thing and not really doing... <laughs> Like, much of the practice kind of stuff that we saw her doing, which would have been, like, a nicer thing to see, but I guess that sort of fit oh, okay. more with the later mm. fight. That's um, true, yeah. But I don't know. It, it's definitely interesting to see that. And I also heard that part of the reason why their fights are different than, like, episode three fights is because they are using a different kind of lightsaber now compared to what they did with all of the CGI. Oh. Is that because they're no. using the ones that are actually like the light up, they have the LEDs right. in them? Like they're in their yeah. training sabers, but they're not like, they're not, you know, blue, screen, like blue painted, you know, metal right. sticks that they can just really wail yeah. maybe quite the same way. They have way. a lot of more weight on the other side of them, which offsets a lot of the balance. Okay. Which actually mm. becomes an issue. Yeah. Physics. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny because I actually wonder if that isn't more in line with what Lucas kind of originally envisioned because he talked so much about you know the idea of the, the lightsaber being this this energy weapon and it's it's heavy and you know you have to hold it with two hands and like that was so, you know he had talked about that a lot early on as opposed to you know really prior swordsmanship and in, in a lot of, of hollywood films where it was just the sort of one-handed rapier kind of stuff and so um so that's kind of ironic maybe that now that they're actually a little <laughs> a little different kind of you know device they're using it's it looks great though i mean it absolutely looks awesome because it it's like the closest looking i feel like to a real lightsaber as we really have <laughs> like to and the lighting yeah. and everything is just awesome um actually Catherine, let me ask you about that quick because you know as okay. uh as an artist because you've talked about this before and other shows have been on with you know what do you think about just the the look of this and the lighting and and you know anything from the show that really jumped out at you artistically I mean, it's all been playing together so beautifully that I end up watching too much TV. 
Because <laughs> 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 I'll see something and go, I know I've seen that before. And even today, um, rewatching the Rebels where they end up first finding Maul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, those towers look like the towers that were around the, the castle that we're at now on, what is it called again? I watched yeah. too much TV today. Well, Peridia. Peridia, thank you. And then my husband's like, well, they're not exactly the same because these have faces on them. I go, I know they're not the same, but as Lucas said, they do rhyme. Mm-hmm. They are the same general shape. So you're getting all this repetition so it, it feels familiar yet different and new and so... I mean, that's kind of something that we do in sacred art is you want to have something be familiar, follow the tradition, and yet new to the person who's creating it. So there's always that constant repetition and building from the tradition. So it was neat just to see how all that overlays, especially when we eventually get to the statues of the mortis gods well and that's i, I was just thinking too because i just rewatched all those the, the mortis arc the other day and again we'll get probably that in more detail here mm-hmm. near the end but there was uh, some of the stuff i hadn't noticed until i rewatched that but um like some like the the, the lines and circles and some of that you know in, in like the map room and stuff like that and um up when they're on the the top there and like shin and, and balin are talking in a previous episode and there's those little like the you know, the the stone kind of monoliths and, and that kind of stuff, like the hinges, like around the top. Mm-hmm. That that was very reminiscent of Mortis as well. Um mixed with some Night Sister stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's a it's a it's a visual vocabulary, I think, right? You know, it's it's yeah. like you recognize it, but it, yeah, it's it's so yeah. cool. Um I, well and I, let me jump back to zombie stormtroopers because that's just Yeah. <laughs> I said <laughs> I said to Dom, well, the uh, the episode description here, I, I mentioned to Dom, I was laughing, uh, the title, you know, of course, right, the the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. I was like, how close do you need to get, like, when can the Lewis estate sue you? You know, for, <laughs> you know it's like, the Lion, the Witch, and the Warlord, like, ah, okay, too close, too close. The Jedi, there's no, you know. So, um, did you, I, I meant to ask that earlier. I don't know if that was just a fun title they went with. Clearly, it's a hat tip to that. But like, I, I as a big Lewis fan, I didn't really catch anything in particular in this episode that was like a specific reference to that so much. But uh, maybe I missed something. Did you guys get anything other than just the title? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I mean, we did have no, the witches. Not really. Yeah, I was waiting for yeah. sure. The witches are there. I mean, them riding on the uh, the howlers made me think about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie when at the end they're riding on their horses back to the wardrobe. Yeah. And and then you have Anakin standing there at the end. What is he, Aslan? I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and I was thinking it would be so funny if like Balin's, I guess it would have blunted that whole scene of Balin standing on the finger of, of the father eating Turkish delight. staring off like no this is so good i gotta go get more of this like oh come on guys like dave come on you can do better than that (laughs) oh my gosh no i i I think it was just the the writer's room was going or yeah maybe just dave was going through okay i I need titles for these Mm -hmm. oh what's this one about well you know the jedi the witches and the warlord Ooh, i like i gotta go with that (laughs) you know it might it might be you know one of if not the best you know episodic titles we've seen yet (laughs) oh my goodness 
Well, I think the big one, the, arguably, I almost put a, a highlight on this because probably one of the biggest things in this episode, and it's been something we've been wondering about this whole season, and I really want to open yeah. this up to you guys here, is I guess Sabine's a Jedi <laughs> after all. Um, so or a force user, force anyway. user, yeah, like I, you know. How did you guys, you know, I mean, there were a few times, I think, in the, in the season where, of course, they teased this or, you know, um, like, is it going to is, is the, the cup going to move? Is is the wall moving? Oh, no, it's just rumbling because Thrawn's starship is coming. Did you guys I'm just wondering, we're going around the around the table here. Did you guys think this was going to happen? <laughs> we'll believe you if you if you did. We won't just say that you uh, are saying it now. But no, I'm curious what you guys thought. I mean, I, I didn't think they would tease it from the beginning if they didn't mean to have it pay off. Um, so I, I don't think I, I, I didn't think she was going to show as much ability with the force as she used in this episode. Um, but I did think that she was going to demonstrate some ability because because i think one of the themes that the show is is working on is that idea that the force is everywhere and everyone has access to it talent plays a role but everyone has some mm-hmm. access to it even sabine right <laughs> how, you know how about you josh because and i don't know uh, if if not to put you on the spot, but I don't know what your opinion of episode eight is uh, or episode nine, the sequel movies, of course, I mean, but yeah. but Robert brings up a good point. Maybe I can you know kick this all around, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, you know what your take is on on, you know, what he was just talking about with Sabine being this. I, I don't know. Is, is this a resurrection of maybe what Ryan Johnson was attempting, in your opinion, to to get at this idea of like. You know, you you can all have access like that broom kid, you know, mm-hmm. to to the force. I don't know. What do you what do you think? I, I thought it was interesting that they chose. Like either way, I saw it as if she doesn't have the force, it'll be a valuable lesson for them to teach that like no matter how hard you try, there's some things that you can't do, and you gotta like know mm-hmm. your limits in a sense. But then there's also. Now she's a Jedi, or not a Jedi, but she can use this. That was like the one reason why she couldn't be a Jedi. And now it's like, what is, where's her path going to go? Mm. And then she's a Mandalorian now who also Mm. (laughs) can use the Force. There's only been one other Jedi who did that. Yeah. That led to the whole. Room. You mean Grogu, right? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess he is one now. <laughs> From Mandalore, Grogu. Do you Din? Is it Din Grogu? Is not his new name? Yes. Is it, yeah, I guess now. Din I guess. Grogu, but... <laughs> um, oh my god, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't. I didn't hate that they made her a Jedi or like made her that way, but it was definitely a decision that. I don't know if they went about the best way, at mm. least in terms of the episode, because it seemed like it just randomly clicked. And the next thing you know, she's like, I'll just throw you Ezra. It'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> I'll pull off the greatest yeah. force push. <laughs> yeah. Not, not even like five minutes later. She's like, I, I just grabbed a lightsaber. I can throw you. Same, same thing. So, yeah. well, to be fair, it does. I think in the grand scheme of the force powers we've seen, the two that seem to be the most, you know, you gotta have these ones in your 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 uh you know back pocket or the push and the pull. 
Yeah. So, so I suppose <laughs> she's like, okay, I did the pull. Here's this other one that, that everybody does. Next up's the throw. You know. Well, and and it is. I mean, th- as they said, this is a classic move that Ezra and Kanan would do yeah. over and over during yeah. Rebels. And yeah, yeah. It's definitely nice mm-hmm. to see them do that, but I feel like they should have thrown Sabine or something, something a little different. It, it just seemed very rushed at the end there of having her just immediately kind of have all this access. I, I, I wonder now, did you guys remember in the Mortis stuff, I then I watched a couple on Rebels, like with the, the gate, you know, and the uh, world between worlds, because I was trying to connect the dots as best I could with anything I could pull quick, you know, in the last two days, which I didn't have a lot of time to do it, but from Clone Wars and from Rebels. And uh, when Sabine and Ezra are trying to get down closer to check out the, the painting of, of the Mortis gods, Hera's up on the, the hill with um, with Zeb and she's apprehensive she doesn't want them to go Kanan has just died not too long before this and mm-hmm. um she's trying to call him back and then like she you know has this moment and like there's a neat like camera pan and you see what looks basically to all the you know intents and purposes like Kanan's force ghost you know behind mm-hmm. her with his hand on her shoulder and and you see her kind of go like this but like she doesn't see him I guess or then it cuts back and he's not there so I, I don't know I wonder I think yeah, there's always people asking this, like, how do force ghosts work? I don't really think we, but it's it's like, evidently, you know, there, there's yeah, they're 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 it's like the saints, right? Sometimes they're visible, sometimes they're not, but maybe you know they're always with us. So maybe there's something to that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kanan has an active role, you know, here in maybe he gave a little a little boost to Sabine's a push. Yeah. yeah, that might a be a push to her push. That's, that's my head cannon on uh, on that one. <laughs> I have to say, I did. I did not need or look for her to have Jedi skills. Uh, I'm fine with how it turned out, except for one thing: her skill level changed so quickly, so fast mm. that it almost made Luke's growth as a Jedi seem remedial. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Wang said very clearly. As far as skill level goes, you're the worst. You're the worst. Of all that I've seen <laughs> in 2,000 years. And it's like, okay. You know, and I'm, I'm totally fine with everybody having some access to the Force. George Lucas has made that clear. That the Force is in all living things. And that's mm-hmm. all how you have mm-hmm. access to it. And being a volleyball coach over the last 30 years, <laughs> I have to say that much like... Ahsoka, one of my favorite projects, is having a player who doesn't know that she's as good as she could be Mm. and working with that player. And it's always, it's so satisfying to see that one unexpected person that it's like, really, she's going to be able to do this? It's like, trust me, (laughs) I I know that this is going to work. And it's like, sure enough, that it's just, it eventually clicks. And then it's like, yep. I can see that was coming. So it's just yeah. kind of, you know, it's the only reason why I accepted all of this. Cause it's like, yeah, sure. I've been there as a teacher to like, see that one person yeah. come to a moment they didn't even think they could do. So, Sweet. but well, I would have loved to have seen Ezra throw her mm-hmm. just for her to have to trust in the force that much to make that gap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does go back to the conversation between Ezra and Huyang earlier. 
um, when Ezra like turns and wants to show off his shiny new lightsaber to Sabine and she's gone. And um, he asks Hu Yang what happened between those two. And Hu Yang said, um, I don't know if I'm going to get the words exactly right, but something along the lines of Ahsoka was afraid that if Sabine ever unblocked her abilities, she would become dangerous. Hmm. Because of the, the rage from, or the trauma, you know, from the, the, the Mandalore the, destruction the, and... Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the purge of Mandalore, right. and um, and that gave me the sense that it's it's not the ability that is lacking; it's that the block is so great, and so it kind of doesn't surprise me that when the when the wall falls down, she is very powerful hmm. in her use of the force. Um, and, and yeah, but that said, there's, there's the amount of power that you are putting out and then there's the skill with which you use that power. And, and I would agree that, yeah, her, her skill at using that power was, it, it was, it was a, it was a really quick learning curve for her. Yeah. But, you know, the plot demanded it, so. I think so, yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see. I, I want to you know, jump to a couple other things here, and we can kind of round this out, because I think that kind of leaves us, we come back to that, you know, at the end, right, as, as she's there with Ahsoka, kind of what's, what's the next step speculation. But, but just to jump back here for a second to uh, picking up with Thrawn and their departure, that was, again, edge of my seat. Um, <laughs> waiting for that. And he's just so cool and, and you know, calculating and... Um, you know, I, I think he said it very clearly early in the episode. You know, I I misjudged the Jedi before, never again. Mm-hmm. You know, and this whole thing, like I'm not, I'm not taking this bait. I'm not going to get in a fight with you know, like you, you flat out said, you know, we can't underestimate the Padawan, <laughs> the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. Like you know, and if you've read the books, and like you know, he's well aware of who Anakin was. You really get the strong. I don't know if they officially confirm it, but they kind of officially confirm he knew who Vader was because he kind of oh, figures yeah, he it did. out. Yeah, he fi- he figures it out. So that whole like, uh, yeah, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. Uh, like, let's just let's just <laughs> jump, you know, because then she's stuck unless she can find more space whales, and I'll deal with that later, you know. Um, so he's all about getting out of there, and he does it. They make it back to Dathomir, which is that's neat. Uh, we we'll bring that full circle back to the you know, wreckage and, and ruins of the whole Night Sisters society that we're gonna have these three go back. Um that breaks up what Morgan said. Yeah. You know, mm. Thrawn's saying for the Empire, but he doesn't seem like he really means it. And then she waits yeah. for him to walk away and she said whispers for Dathomir. For it's Dathomir. Like she knows what happened on Dathomir in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. She knows that they were slaughtered. So it's like, this is really kind of an awkward spot. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> well, and I keep wondering, too. I mean, I was wondering, I, I was wondering all the way up to this episode, why are the Night Sisters, why are the, the Great Mothers working with Thrawn and, yeah. and acting like he's in charge of them? Yeah. Um, you know, doing what he commands. And, and, uh, but now it's, 
becoming clear, oh, he's going to get them back to Dathomir and they are planning to rebuild in, in a in a powerful way. I would have loved to have seen um, the, the hint that Ezra gave saying that Thrawn resurrected them. I mean, yeah. was this like, you know, pulling the ring wraiths out of their cages in Lord of the Rings or what? That's kind of freaky. <laughs> Well, and this might be as good a place as any to kind of tap into some of this Mortis speculation. So, you know, Josh, I'm going to turn it over to you here quick with this question, because I'm just wondering the, um, you know, what, well, I guess let me just ask you, like, what, what did, uh, what about the Mortis? Because you said you, you had highlighted on your notes too. <laughs> I said Mortis, Mortis, Mortis. What, what did you want to mention with, with that in particular? Was there anything that, that really, you know, you're speculating on as you think's a connection here? I, I think there's going to be something relating to Anakin representing and being the father and sort mm. of refilling those roles and having his purpose back in that. Um, and also even just looking at the statues and sort of seeing how things started lining up, how the the daughter statue was destroyed because she died first. And then you see the owl Morai um, with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Ahsoka's going to be somewhat like a daughter with this true good in her, which she may need to learn and develop a bit more. Um, and then you see Balin looking for power straight straight ahead. And then after that, it goes right to Anakin just in the middle. Or yeah. at least like at the end there. Did you guys know... Uh, I, I caught this... Um... The other day, I don't know if it was, it was Star Wars Theory or one of, the, one of those YouTube guys had a really interesting, and I don't know if Dave Filoni brought this up, but this clearly has to be something that he drew from, but I'm not really read up on a lot of Norse mythology, and uh, Marvel doesn't count. <laughs> True. Um, but but this, I, this was so cool. Did you guys see this skull and Hati thing? Yeah. Which was really cool because it's so it's a Norse mythology skull, or I'm just pronouncing it that way, is a wolf, according to Snorri Strulson's prose Edda, chases the sun, personified as a goddess soul, riding her chariot across the sky. And the it's almost like a yin and yang thing, like like the, the nighttime equivalent is Hati, which is a wolf that chases the moon. And it's this cycle that's supposed to go until Ragnarok. But what's interesting was... um. You know, whoever's video was watching, you know, he had suggested, is there possibly a little bit of a, you know, tongue in cheek kind of, you know, um, thing there with the chasing the sun of S-O-N instead of S-U-N? Because, you know, the sun from the Mortis you know, arc, um, is there some kind of connection coming up with Balin uh, and, and the sun? And this drift into the dark side, and uh, I don't know. That's kind of a cool thing because clearly that mountain at the end with that like reflecting little thing on the top. I mean, that's exactly like the imagery you see in the uh, the Mortis episodes. You know, uh, right over the, well, chiefly over that monastery where the father was was staying. So, but it's it's father imagery. I, yeah. I mean, I I very much think Balin is is aiming at the father. So he whether wants it's that. encountering the father or becoming the father or something like that. Um, Showdown with Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, I I will say, even in the Clone Wars episodes, um, I I never quite bought. Anakin as being a replacement for the father that okay. I mean, Anakin is so very much the son 
Mm. You know, he's so very much the one who's consumed with the dark side and power and, and so on. And so I just never really bought that. Um, and, you know, maybe that makes me a Star Wars heretic, but, you know, that's <laughs> normal for you? me. Um, <laughs> well, I, thought, I, thought, I thought there was a real and I, I, I missed opportunity, maybe not, because depending on how they flesh this out, I, I honestly at the time thought that there was potential. I think a lot of us might have potential for that to be fleshed out with with um, with Kylo and Ray, you know, and it just I mean, it wasn't ever addressed. It was definitely not part of the movies at all. But I just thought like in this greater mythology, this this impulse to have this this duality that would have been, you know, the, the force dyad like uh, what? <laughs> like you can't just make stuff up now, palps. Like, <laughs> you know, like, come on, you know. Now, see, I had no problem with Kylo and Ren having that connection through the Force. Right, yeah. Because that goes back to um, the Legends first books from yeah. Timothy Zahn. Right, right. Where right. the Emperor had Mara, who he could connect with anywhere in the universe. Right. And so it was like, okay, that makes sense that that can gotcha. happen. But the thing with like, well, and even Empire Strikes Mortis, Back, Luke and yeah. Leia, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is a little more like actually physically in the same room where Luke and Leia could mm. just feel each other there mm. instead of actually see each other across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a lightsaber, like through the force. Yes. Which was, <laughs> exactly, yeah. dude. This is awesome. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was just interesting, like to think about you know Balin and Shin and being the wolves from the north yeah. and south. You know, it's like, okay, and you had and the, the riding wolves. The daughter. Right in the show. Yeah. <laughs> which was cool. <laughs> and the daughter and the son chase, or when they were in their little mortis world, um, chasing each other literally day after day. But the mm-hmm. thing I have a problem with is that Balin wants to end the cycle. So that's where I'm like going, wait a minute. If he wants to end the cycle, why would he want to be part of it? He doesn't want this continual force cycle. He doesn't want this repetition he wants the power to end it so i just kind of found that you know kind of odd i wonder if he almost doesn't because he said something about the beginning like he went you know new beginning or back to the beginning or something mm-hmm. you know like maybe i don't know is there something in him this is all speculation but you know like wanting to be the father with no son or daughter like it's just forget this you know that's just that could be me it's all in me yeah. I'm, I'm the i am the balance or, or something I, I don't know i wonder yeah he had no problem dumping shin because <laughs> yeah. my, my original thought was that he wanted to, you know, I, I knew War of the Worlds was on the table and I thought, is this going to, not War of the Worlds, <laughs> this, this is Star Wars, Star Wars, it's way bigger than War of the Worlds, uh, well, I guess it is the same thing, but but the uh, World Between Worlds, I, I was kind of wondering, is he trying yeah. to get there to go back and stop the temple from being destroyed or just some sort of, you know, simple time travel kind of thing, but I think it's deeper for him, it might still involve the World Between Worlds, eh? but I I don't know. The only other thing I saw was rewatching Rebels when they met with Thrawn and Maul wanted the power, the ultimate power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Sith holocron, when it was opened, you know, said knowledge is power and power is to destroy life at your command. So mm. I was like, is Balin going for that kind of power? Hmm. So. <sighs> What was your take on that, Josh? Did you, you know, like, you know, final thoughts on Balin's skull? No, because it's just so, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. And 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't really, you don't really know either. And that's, yeah. that's the hard part. It's the ending didn't really give any sort of future as to where him or Shin are going. Obviously they're on their separate paths, it seems now, but they're, mm. they're just going out and it seems like almost aimlessly just looking for their definition of power. Yeah, because he what did he say? he said something to her like, or she said, do you you know do you think that power's out here? Or do you think we'll be able to get it? Something like that. And he said, you know, um, if the stories are true, and it's like, what mm-hmm. what stories? Mortis God stories? Pretty you know, because he says like you know cryptically the stories that you know we heard in the temple about this galaxy, and it's you know, but I I don't know I don't I. I'm not aware of anything specific outside of this show, you know, about this, this Peridia and, you know, so I, I, Dave's got a lot of, (laughs) a lot of like room to work, I guess here, but like, like you said, Robert at the outset, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait to get some more, some more details, but. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the things I've read online seem to indicate that they, um, weren't necessarily planning a season two, mm. which, you know, it says, uh, oh, I had a quote here. It says, we hear that Ahsoka season two is more of a reality in the conversation, though nothing is locked yet. Mm. And and the way this season ended, this show ended, it it just opens up so many questions. Like in, in your outline, you say, what is Thrawn's end game? Right. And that's a valid no, that's all- question. But. <laughs> What is Balin's end game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what is Balin's end game? We we know that it's got something to do with the the Mortis gods, but we don't know what. Um yeah. you know, is he trying to become one? Is he trying to destroy them? Is he trying to yeah, what yeah. So it's that's I think my biggest frustration with the show is it kind of leaves you on not even a cliffhanger, just it, it kind of leaves you on a mystery box. Right. And yes. it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like they had a plan for opening that mystery box, what? which, you know, well, see, and, I, I, I like, I like a mystery box to be opened myself. Well, <laughs> and, and I wonder, you know, cause you know, if, if this is building up to a, as Kathy Kennedy said years ago, you know, a culminating event. And now they're giving more mm. seemingly a little more, um, shape to that with this, this, you know, felony film <laughs> that's supposedly supposed to tie together, you know, Mandalorian book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, you know, but in two hours, you know, yeah. like that's where yeah. I, I'm, cause I kept thinking that two hours, two and a half, like a feature film. I want to see it. I want to <laughs> like, I'm there. I'm there already in the future someday. But, um, and as much as I still am a guy who thinks that, you know, Star Wars is home, real home is in the theater, you know, I got to say the mm-hmm. way that the storytelling has has changed right in the last couple of years. I, I, I fear maybe a little bit that there might be a new pressure that wasn't there before, <laughs> you know, with like, OK, well, now what, what, like, what are you going to do in two hours? I mean. So, yeah, because that's in the Thrawn thing. Like I said, that could be a whole other episode. I won't get into it too much. But, you know, if you know anything about his character, you know, that he's he comes into his service with the Empire as sort of a not an afterthought, but it's like a 
I always thought it was like a side mission. Like, you know, he's all about the Chiss and the Chiss ascendancy and he's yes. this faithful officer and that's his whole thing and his whole heritage and the whole legacy of his people. And you'd never know that, you know, from watching Rebels or watching this. He's just mm-hmm. this deadly, you know, imperial officer, long live the Empire. The Emperor is dead. Like, I, I just don't understand yeah. what Thrawn's, you know, now, I mean, the Chiss ascendancy is in you know, the original galaxy. So maybe there's just a practical, like, you know, he has to get back first, you know, I guess is a big piece of it. But mm-hmm. I don't think his plan seems to just be to get back and be like, all right, well, I'm done with all of this. This was great. Didn't work out. I'm going back to my guys, you know. So I, the only I, thing that helped with that was yeah. the one line he said was, um, he says for the empire kind of mockingly, mm-hmm. but then he says for the security of our galaxy. And that mm-hmm. was Thrawn's uh, ultimate end game. Yeah. He wants security for his people. Which so he was just looking the for a, yeah. yes, a strong power to help secure his people's part of the galaxy. And because so his like original run is like, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because his original run in, I think, with, with Anakin, right, when they have the sort of like, um, you know, um, prequel Thrawn books or whatever, that's, you know, that gives him a taste of this galactic conflict between, you know, separatist like he, he gets wind of that and starts to you know that's going to affect us and well, well now this empire is emerging and we should go see what that is you know so yeah that might be maybe it's a he's got a real he knows what he's doing right i mean he, he <laughs> well and he's got an end game balin is balin is on peridia looking for a great power a power greater than the night sisters and greater than the empire mm-hmm. And there's this implication that uh, Thrawn and the the Great Mothers were afraid of this power in in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. That that kind of was at least a possible implication. And um, so maybe it's maybe Thrawn is afraid that this power from Peridia and from this other galaxy is a threat to their own galaxy. Mm. The original galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking this, we, we, there's so many more like rabbit trails we could potentially go down here. I just, maybe I'll just go around here. Like if we're, we're a little over an hour, maybe I'll just you know, get your guys kind of final, final <laughs> thoughts here on, on the episode. Any last minute things you want to share about the, the season in general? Why don't I start with you, Josh? What do you think? I hope this is season two to finally give us answers to whatever that ending was. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's too much mystery there. Yeah, I'll leave it with that. I'd Bust like open the mystery too. box. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Catherine? Well, I was just happy to see that zombies in Star Wars can only be killed the same way zombies are in TV shows here. If you don't take their head off or <laughs> right. stab them in the brain, they're going to keep coming back. <laughs> nice. I, I did like that, by the way. I love that. It. I mentioned, I failed to mention that earlier. Sabine. It was a different angle, but Sabine basically did the Kylo Ren quick lightsaber on through the head thing. So we've seen it, <laughs> seen it twice at least. So <laughs> Robert yeah, got him right through the brainstem, killed that yes. zombie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess something we haven't talked about is like a lot of people I've seen are comparing Ahsoka to Andor, and um, and I I I think. I love both series and I think they are both trying to do very different things. And one of the things I love about star Wars is it is a big enough sort of universe that it can contain radically different kinds of storytelling. Mm. Um, so 
yeah, I think that's my big takeaways. Ahsoka did did what it was trying to do, and I think it did it, you know, not flawlessly, but but really well. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be it from us for tonight, for this one. Uh, listeners, we can't do this without you, so please feel free to keep in touch with us. Uh, you can always email any feedback you have on the show uh, to starwars at sqpn.com. Or you can also visit the Star Wars Discord community, sqpn.com slash discord. Uh, you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on the previously mentioned X at sqpn. Previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars can be found by visiting sqpn.com slash starwars. We'd also like to take a moment, as always, to thank our Secrets of Star Wars patrons. And this week, I'm going to give a special shout out to Chad G, Christopher H, Mark, Barb G, and David F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to con- to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Please tell all your friends to follow the secrets of Star Wars in Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, really any of your favorite podcast apps or the SQPN YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe over there. Click that bell uh, to get notifications. And we'd appreciate a nice rating. If you could uh, leave us a nice rating over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else that you do those sorts of things. Uh, and always want to mention the merch store, of course, to sqpn.com slash merch, where you can get pretty much anything <laughs> and everything over there. So um, and I don't know, Robert, if you have anything, anyone has anything to add to this. I just my note I have down here was uh, we'll be back in uh, in two weeks, it looks like, since, you know, we're off the week-to-week shows here for uh, for new content, taking a deep dive into the weird and creepy world of the Night Sisters. Is that right? <laughs> uh, that's the plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And nice. and you know, as before, when there's not a not a weekly series coming out, we're gonna we're gonna aim for about every other week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different lots of topics because you a... can't go too long without talking Star Wars. True, and that's that'll be a, a little little pre-Halloweenish episode too, which will be a nice touch. So so until next time. Uh, thank you for joining me and uh, sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Josh Beagley, thank you so much. <laughs> Always happy to join. Robert King, thank you as well. Hey, may the Force be with you and the Lord. Yes. <laughs> and, and Catherine Laffrey, thank you so much as well for joining us. Thank you. This is fun. And once again, I'm Mike Creevy. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another podcast on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets.